and test. Dope. Hey guys, this is Arthur Polino with Slay the Stars. Uh, so I'm going to do something a little bit different for both our podcast and our Patreon, which is, uh, I believe a couple months ago at this point, we did our AMA, which is our Ask Me Anything. Uh, and we went over some of our favorite characters that we played. So I'm going to go over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight characters that we played, uh, go through them a little bit. That way you are a little bit more familiar with the kind of style that I play. Uh, and then you can kind of feel out what we're looking for. So there's going to be a part of this that's uh, posted to the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm. Sorry, I'm still getting over COVID, so I apologize. So if any of this sounds weird, let me know in the comments below. No, I, I'm still getting over COVID, so you're going to see... I'm sorry, you're not going to see me at all. You're going to get over, like, you're going to have this nasally sound to me, so I am so sorry that you have to put up with me. So part of this will be posted as a uh, bonus podcast episode, and then part of this is actually going to be posted to our Patreon. So if you're a member over on our Patreon, you'll be able to view it, uh, and if not... You're just going to get the first part of it. So here we go. So my first character that I played. So let's start with this. I have played as a DM for most of my 5e experience. I played one time in 4e. And I'll be honest, I couldn't tell you anything that I did for that 4e game. Uh, I think it was like eight hours. And then <laughs> I kind of went home and I'm just kind of passed out. Uh, it just fried my brain. I couldn't even tell you what happened. So my first game after I was not a perma DM, we played Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And the character that I had built for that, his name is Sands of Thunder. He is a tabaxi artificer rogue. So I have played Sands up to level 20 now at this point. So maxed out. He is an Artificer 17 with a subcategory of Alchemist, and he is a Rogue 3 with a subcategory of Mastermind. So, Sans has kind of a complicated backstory, so we played fast and loose with the the Sword Coast, like, in its history. I, I'm kind of more familiar with it because I've been, I read a lot of the books, I read most of them, so I kind of am familiar. So Sans was a slave for a while. Uh, at the time when Tiamat rose, there was a big war. They always needed people. And sometimes you had to get people with unfavorable means. And San just happens to be one of those. So Vora, the black staff of Waterdeep, got Sands out of slavery. That's most of what I'm going to go into the backstory right now. But he is a genius, a nervous genius, but a genius. Um, originally, he had an Australian accent, which I cannot do to save the life of me. Uh, I could not keep it, so I ended up getting rid of it. He was just a nervous tick. Uh, so, reason he is an artificer is an alchemist. So, my characters tend to be monkey wrenches for whatever our games need, and that game did not have a healer. So, we had two monks, a rogue, a sorcerer, and a druid. And the druid did not take any healing spells, so I kind of had to play my character so that I can help as many people as possible. So he had magical tinkering, uh, he could make potions, uh, he had prestidigitation, 
Uh, he accidentally killed somebody with Ray of Frost one time. It was a mess, but it was great. And I loved Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I've, I've gone on record before saying that it is my favorite game that I played. Uh, I will not say that it's my favorite game that I've been involved in because being a DM in some games, that's my preferred, like, favorite thing, right? So Sands of Thunder, uh, one of my favorite characters, he's... The character that everybody that I play with tends to be his fa- their favorite character as well. So uh, he's great. Maybe on the Patreon I'll post his character sheet at level 20. Uh, that'll be nice. So the next one we played was... So after Waterdeep was over and right before COVID hit, uh, we started playing uh, Descent into Avernus. And we never got to finish it. But the character I built for that, his name is Devden. He's a variant human. He was going to be an artificer cleric. Uh, he is going to be mostly an artificer with the subcategory of, um, goodness, what is the category? Uh, a battlesmith, sorry. Had to look that up because it's not actually, I didn't get to pick it yet. So he is a level two uh, artificer and a level one cleric. So I never got to fully build him out. So the idea of Devden was he was a child of the Candlekeep, but he never wanted to be at the Candlekeep. He seeked knowledge, but mostly for things that were not really approved at Candlekeep, not knowledge for knowledge's sake, but knowledge to do something. Uh, He had this... Uh, Warhammer that he used. He is a shield wielder. Uh, basically, he was built as a pseudo tank. Having cleric and artificer stuff makes him really, really hard to get down. Um, at the time, we were playing with a modified sorcerer, a rogue. What was Jen playing? I cannot remember what the other ones were playing. It'll probably come back to me at some point, I'm sure. Uh, Give me like 10 minutes and I'll come back to it. Uh, So we never really got to finish it. We never even made it into Avernus. Um, But that character, I like the idea of building out a character who had achieved or at least been a part of like the pinnacle of knowledge and not really known it because that was just what he grew up with. He didn't really understand. So the idea of him was to kind of come full circle with... No, yes, I understand. Like, I've become a battlesmith. I'm an artificer and a cleric, cleric of knowledge. But this is where I should have been. This is where I belonged. Uh, I shouldn't have left. But now it's too late. And so when COVID hit, we had to switch to an online format for our game. And some of our games we ended up figuring out later. Uh, We started playing with... um, Originally, we played over Discord, and we just sent each other the maps, and we kind of played with the Discord chat. Uh, Then we went to the Roll20 format, and then we finally landed on Fantasy Grounds, which I think Fantasy Grounds is my favorite. It's super complicated to set it up, but once you're used to it, it's really, really easy. So my next character, we got to start them at level 10. We're playing a high-level campaign. Uh, This is actually one of Leah's games as well. Uh, so my next character, his name is Blanc Donner. He is a variant human. He is a barbarian paladin. So maxed out at level 20 because we got him to level 20. Uh, he is a level 16 paladin, level four barbarian. This dude is a fucking tank. 
by the end of the game, he was the hardest to kill, uh, the hardest to do anything with. Basically, he had 300 HP at any given point. He had half damage on everything because he was a bear, to uh, bear barbarian totem. Uh, he smote a lion turtle to half HP at one point when he attacked it, when it attacked our boat. So Blanc, his backstory is a little complicated. So he was originally a, um, a half orc or full orc. I don't remember at this point. It's been a minute and it's not in my notes. So he was either an orc or a half orc and he got married and that marriage didn't work out. Um, they left on mutual terms, but he kind of took it a lot harder and he seeked out some form of like redemption and he was offered magic to turn him into a human, which he thought was an inferior race. So he thought that that was going to be good for him. Uh, so he did and he trained, uh, he was far and above what most people would ever classify human strength. By the end of the game, he had a 27 strength. Um, he has an eight intelligence. He's not really that smart, but it's okay. Uh, the paladin subclass that he had was, and I'm scrolling through my pair. I have not seen him for a while. It's been a minute. Uh, d -d 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 paladin. Where is it? Oath of Conquest. Basically, he took... That's right. Sorry. So, Blanc is a Paladin of Conquest. The Conquest Paladin just... He wanted to be the strongest that he could. That was how he was going to find redemption in himself. So, he was. At one point, we actually had him... Uh, he had to be replaced because he was taken by a lich. Um, and he was killed. Basically, uh, I talked to Leah. There was an... A point where he was captured and the mage lied about letting him go. He was actually a simulacrum uh, and the simulacrum betrayed them and they had to go try to get his soul back. It was a long, hard campaign. I'm not going to tell the stories. I'll let Leah do that at some point if she wants to. But basically Blanc, it was a three person campaign. We had a wizard, we had a rogue and we had Blanc. Basically, he was built as a tank because he needed to be. If he was not a tank, we would not have survived this campaign under any circumstances. Uh, so he did not have that high a charisma. He could smite like a motherfucker. And he had uh, a couple feats. So the one that I took originally with um, his variant human was Shieldmaster. And that the right there mitigated a lot of damage. And by the time it reached the end, every time he got hit with an attack, even if it was half damage, because most of the time he was raging, they would still take three psychic damage. And most of that's not um, resisted by most creatures. So that campaign, the person he had to be replaced with was somebody that he was familiar with. So I'm going to introduce Aronis Arolo. So Aronis was a high elf, but the catch is that on Aranis is a spy from Eberron. Uh, he came over. He was incorporated into the world. He's very charismatic. He has a 20 charisma. So he was a level 14 fighter. That was a samurai. Level 1 rogue, which didn't have a subclass. And a level 5 warlock, which was a pack to the blade. So he was a dual wielder. Uh, by the time the end of the game, he had a 20 armor class and 200 hit points. 
uh, he was really hard to hit. Uh, he, I, I build characters to survive. That's the whole point. But if I, his strength was he could knock a person down very, very quickly. So he had fighter with action surge and multi-attack. Plus on top of that, he could also um, use fade teleportation, which is he could use misty step, which, I mean, if he got into a big problem, he could misty step right away and go. He was a different character to replace Blanc with. So once Blanc was gone, we had the worst time finding like a middle ground. So in at the final fight, I'm not going to ruin it. We had Blanc and Aranis and we needed both of them for as much as they did. We fought angels. We fought demons. We fought gods. It was great. Uh, but before I forget Sans, uh, his final armor class at level 20 was 21. Um, his highest stat was his intelligence at level 27. Uh, Devden had a 19 armor class at level three. Blanc had a 24 armor class, uh, by the end of the game. Uh, so after Aranis, we dipped out of that universe and Leah had been running a game for a little while, uh, for Ravenloft. And they were kind of coming up on just like post halfway they're coming towards the part where they really needed like a blaster. So we had in that party, they had a rogue, they had a, um, a rogue, a monk, a paladin. And I forget, I think it was a cleric. So they, that what they needed was somebody that could kind of be versatile, which was my specialty. So as a joke, she's like, I just need somebody that can be a blaster. I'm like, well, can I make it a warlock? She's like, fuck it. Why not? So I made Ifrit. Ifrit, Fo- Ifrit Fovarit. He is a fighter one, a warlock 11. That We ended that, le- that game at level 12. Um, there was a point where I actually had to pull from the deck of many things. And he lost a level. So he went into that final fight one level down from everybody else. But even going into that fight level down, um, yeah, it sucked. But he still survived to the end of it because he got a staff of swarming insects, which at that point I got to throw a giant. um, Actually, it was two. I got to throw two giant. uh, Oh, what are they called? Scorpions at the final boss, which was absolutely amazing. So his backstory is he was training to be a guard and he was okay at it, but that's not what he wanted. He had convinced himself that he wanted to be a wizard. So he went to magic school. Uh, he got a book. He started a spell book. He never was good enough. He has a negative one, like a nine intelligence. He is not smart. However, he is very charismatic. He is a half-elf, so he has, has a good bit of charisma. He was very dexterous, but he was never really cut out to be a like a town guard, which is what he went for. Uh, so he went into wizard school, immediately failed. However, he is a warlock of Mephistopheles. So creating this, I imagine the circumstance of Mephistopheles trying to get a soul of a smart student to try to convince them to come over. Mephistopheles is just obsessed with knowledge. So he wanted to get a certain wizard, a certain half-elf. 
Whoever the squire was that he sent that day was not up to snuff, or he just was very confused, and he approached Ifrit about getting a pact, like starting the knowledge and like basically selling a stole. Ifrit said, fuck it, why not? He was promised all this knowledge, and by the time they realized the mistake, it was already too late. And by the time that they were going to revoke his power, he was already in um, Ravenloft. Uh, sorry, not Ravenloft, uh, Barovia. So when he got to Barovia, basically he had acquired a good bit of knowledge and a little bit of information that Mephistopheles didn't have. So all in all, it kind of worked out, which I think is really funny. So he is a uh, Pact of the Tome. Uh, he basically, he had uh, Eyes of the Rune Keeper, and even though he's a half-elf, he had Aspect of the Moon, which means he did not need to sleep. Uh, basically he could put up a tiny hut and he never, he could just watch everybody as it goes. He had fireball and that was basically one of his favorite spells. Uh, he could use magic missile once per day without eating up a spell slot. And then he also loved to cast shatter. Uh, when he did that, a tries to convince everybody. And I mean, everybody that he is a wizard. I mean, he has a spell book. Technically, it is a spell book from Mephistopheles, which acts as his warlock pact. So for the most part, he can convince people pretty, pretty convincingly that he is a wizard. So he is a warlock pretending to be a wizard who has a training with a short sword, basically. So he has a worst case scenario. Uh, we ended at level 12. His final armor class was 19. Uh, he was high a lot. Uh, basically, that was that was his personality. It's not that he didn't want to work. It's not that he wasn't good at what he did, but that was just what it is. He joked, he jokingly used to hotbox in the tiny hut. And he had such a command of illusion spells, especially minor image or minor illusion, that he could make sandwiches that could be eaten even though they they never filled you up. So he also would be like, hey man, you want a sandwich? Every time. And it would be just like taste having food and tasting it, but not really able to have that count as any kind of rations. Uh, I think I started to get under Leah's skin by the end of that campaign. Uh, so after that game, we played a brief game of, oh, what was it? It was Dungeon the Mad Mage. So that is a mega dungeon. Um, it's like 20, 23 floors. Uh, so we needed to pick characters that would be able to, you know, kind of be versatile enough and get down 20 some floors that down to the bottom of the dungeon, the mad mage, massive mega dungeon. Uh, and I, I'm sad that we never really got past, I don't think the third floor. So that was a game that kind of was into COVID, where we played on Fantasy Grounds, or not Fantasy Grounds, I'm sorry. Uh, we played that one on Roll20. Uh, the DM for that one, uh, if you want to go check him out, we're hoping to get him on the, so, the, uh, the, the podcast at some point, even if it's just a quick interview for the temporary, like the time being. Uh, his Twitter is at Dorans in Dragons. That's D-O-R-A-N-S-N-D-R-A-G-O-N-S. Uh, if you go on the Slay the Stars Twitter, he's one of the followers and following us. Um, he does um, 
he basically does professional builds. Uh, he is an amazing player, amazing uh, DM, and amazing character creator. Uh, I highly recommend it. He's awesome to play with, awesome to play for. Uh, he does Twitch streams where he builds characters, and it's he kind of copies them after um, characters from other things, and it's just mm, it's so good. Uh, but for the character that I built for him for that game, is his name is Legacy. Legacy is so we kind of ran the campaign early, so we ended at level twelve. Yeah, so it was Rogue Seven, Warlock Five. Legacy, uh, he came to Waterdeep, and he tried to build a better life for him and his sister. So. He is an Aladrin, specifically a winter Aladrin. His son, his sister is a summer Aladrin. They are absolute opposites in personality and the way that they go about their business. So his sister is a bard, um, and she tries to make a life like being a bard and water deep and singing at taverns. And it's not that she's bad. It's just that the competition is so steep and it's not really a way to make a life. So Legacy, he trained. He was very... Um, he was very, very good uh, swordsman, so he ended up joining the town guard. But uh, Legacy found a lot of quick coin working for a, a spy on the Waterdeep, like the city watch, for Bregan Diarth. Bregan Diarth, he borrowed some money, did a couple things. He was mostly paid off. Uh, something happened where a job went wrong that was supposed to pay it off and he went back in the hole. So as like a last ditch effort, uh, his sister decided, hey, let's go down uh, the well. We're going to the dungeon, the Mad Mage. It's not called that. It's called the uh, Undermountain. Actually, I don't even know if it's still called the Undermountain. It used to be. Whatever. So she's like, hey, there's some coin down there. We could maybe pull up some magic items. And he's like, yes, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to do that. I'm not going to tell you that I've been basically a double agent spy. So he was doing this to try to go straight. So he was uh, built as a rogue and he was built as a rogue until, so there is a, on DMs Guild, there is a story, like an intro to Waterdeep Dragon Heist and I stole it. Like the intro is that you go to, I think it's called Blue Alley. Uh, Blue Alley, at the end you meet a, um, a unicorn, basically. So the idea is that one day Legacy found Blue Alley and he conquered it. He got through it. And at the end, he was given a pact to the tome uh, as a celestial because a warlock is, a, or um, I'm sorry, a unicorn is a celestial. That's why his warlock subcategory was celestial because that was the that was the deal he can use this power as long as he intends to go straight as soon as he pays off his debt that was the thing so that gave him healing abilities so when they went into the underdark they found two rapiers the rapier of winter and the rapier of summer now those were homebrew items from that dm and leah at the time uh so i won't go into that but the idea is uh, he was a very, very good investigator. Um, he was actually probably one of the best detectives the force had at the time. Uh, he had expertise in investigation and perception. Uh, he also had expertise in sleight of hand, stealth, and deception. 
um, he, he's very charismatic. I mean, he, there was a reason he was able to be double agent. Um, but he never intended to be for very long. So going into the, um, the undermountain was kind of his penance and hopefully he was going to make it out. Even if he didn't go all the way down and we never finished it with that and those characters, he would at least get enough gold to cover the debt, which I think at that point was like 20,000 gold. They were like 15, but eventually, uh, there was a one shot that we came, we brought back later and, Legacy and Sans know each other because they're in the same universe, same campaign. Uh, so they kind of used each other. So eventually, Sans at the end of the games, in between that last game, like one shot that I ran for the two twin monks, uh, Sans was also a character. Sans got to be one of the masked lords of Waterdeep later on. That was his reward for finding the dragons, whatever. Legacy knew that and they kind of used each other, which was Sans used Legacy because he was on uh, the city watch and Legacy used Sans because he knew he was at least a decent contact to have. So they kind of knew each other. And so Legacy convinced Sans to let him use the tavern for a meeting. He was going to try to pay off his debts one last time. So he got the, the group in question with, they were going to do a heist and Legacy was the guard on duty, so he was going to be knocked out uh, on purpose. And they were going to steal the items, and nobody would be the wiser, and Legacy's debt would be repaid. Uh, Legacy actually died, or not really died, he basically like was disarmed. And by disarmed, I mean literally a creature from another world ripped his arm off and basically like almost killed him. Uh, they got to him in time, but he's not the same. So we'll see what the repercussions of that are later in universe. Uh, I love the idea of having those characters in that same universe. Oh, uh, Devdin, the artificer cleric. He is also in that same universe at that same time. And so is Efreet. But Efreet was in Ravenloft or, or Barovia. So it didn't really matter. So after Legacy, another character from that universe's games was... They played, and Leah was the DM again, they played through Tomb of Annihilation. So I'm actually really familiar with Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, not that I have fully played it, but I have read it. So I think Tomb of Annihilation is an awesome game. Highly recommend it for you guys that uh, haven't or are looking for a game to start. It can be brutal. So maybe not your first game, but definitely at least your second. Or if you have a really good DM and you feel comfortable with it, go ahead and try it. So we're coming up on the end of Tomb of Annihilation and Leah messaged me. She's like, look, I need two characters. Uh, one was going to be me. And she's like, I need somebody who can get through the tomb is going to be smart enough to do it. I'm like, yeah, this is my, my jam. So of course I went artificer wizard. Here's why. I love having like emergency situations with my characters. So meet Dr. Emil. He is a fire Ganassi artificer wizard. He is a level one artificer and a level nine wizard. So the reason he's an artificer is because he has the ability to cast uh, healing. Basically he has uh, cure wounds, 
which is a, another really, really nice touch from the Artificer class. That's why it's my favorite. Uh, but he is also a wizard. So he is a wizard version of Indiana Jones by accident. So he is one of the smartest people in his field. He's an archaeologist. And his subcategory of wizard is Kronergy. He is a time wizard. That's right. A fire Ganassi time wizard. So where he's from on the Sword Coast... Well, I guess technically it's not on the Sword Coast. So it's in Faerun. It's at the very bottom, past Candlekeep, past uh, the Wealthlands. Uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, the Calum, Calumshan. So right north, like in the Shining Sea area, north of the Jungle of Chult. And if you've seen the map, you're kind of familiar with where I'm talking about. So he is a professor of wizardry. He was... He, he's in a land where he, people, the Gnasi people are not seen very highly, but he's smart enough to prove that he can help by teaching uh, others to, to do not what he does, but at least get them in the right place. So he, they're at least, they keep him on a short leash for what he can do within the city. However, because they do not give a shit if he dies, they basically give him extended leave to go investigate all these places as an as a archaeologist. Dude's brilliant, um, but they really don't care if he dies, which is kind of sad. And he knows it, so he makes the most of his trips. So he was investigating Chult for the reasons of the game. And if you haven't played it, I'm not going to ruin it. So he gets into Chult, he's investigating, he finds out that there's some shenaniganery going on, and <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to explain without you guys, I don't want to ruin it. But basically he was brought in because he needed, there needed to be somebody that was familiar with the history, spoke the language, and could help them through the tomb at the end. So I was brought in. I actually made another character for one of our other friends as like a pseudo worst case scenario. I built a bard satyr. Um, I'm going to go over that at a different time. Uh, so Dr. Emil was brought in. He had uh, Kronergy subclass and Artificer. So it was, it was great. Oh, um, so the way I built him was even though he's a fire Ganassi, he preferred to use cold spells like Ray of Frost, Cone of Cold, um, Frostbite, those kinds of things. I love the idea of opposites with my characters that I build or characters that are not what they seem to be as much as I can help it. Now, there's going to, of course, be some exceptions, i.e. Blanc. <laughs> so uh, that's... It's going to happen. So that's Dr. Emil. Uh, and then my final character. Actually, I'm sorry. There's two. So one of the other ones is not on my D&D &D Beyond. D&D uh, Beyond. Uh, so the other one had to be a homebrew class, which is going to be where uh, we switch over to the Patreon. So he, there's another character. His name is Nib. Uh, I'm going to put him on Patreon only, so I'm going to come back to him. But between after Nib, my last character that I played prior to um, the game we're playing now for the podcast 
is his name is a Cuban. So what's great about this game was this takes place in the same universe that Blanc was in. But I think there's like a, f- a year time jump, I think. I, you'd have to talk to Leah. So the idea was it was a small campaign again, but we built three characters. This was a bloodbath campaign where we did not know who was going to survive. So we built three characters. We put them in the pile. And the first character you drew had to be a character that you did not create. So basically we built each other's characters, which is great. I thought, I think everybody should try that if they have the ability to. So this is not a character that I created, but I love a Cuban. So a Cuban is an Aarakocra druid monk. So we finished that campaign at level seven. And by that campaign, I mean, we finished that first story arc at level seven. Uh, I think we're going to come back to that at some point. So Akubin is an Aarakocra. Uh, he is a little bit older. Uh, he was a druid, but didn't really know it. He was gifted druid powers by uh, like a dryad, like a superior dryad, like an arc dryad, whatever the hell you want to use uh, the term. Uh, he... He was gifted the powers, and he is a druid, druid of the stars? What was it? Uh, Circle of the stars. Okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense. So, Akubin was a Circle of the stars druid, which basically means he had a lot of abilities. It's really hard to go over a lot of these. Um, so, but at the end of the campaign, he basically was a, not against his will but just by necessity he was a recruited soldier uh there was they were fighting a war it was the last city that was defended against the i'm not going to ruin that Uh, i'll let leah tell the story she does it better uh so he picked up some fighting styles so to compensate that to make it say make sense in universe he's also a monk uh so he picked up some monk skills and I'm going to build him out eventually to be, I think, probably mostly druid. I might take one or two more levels of monk with him. So he's going to at least be an 18th level druid, I think, uh, if we ever get that far, if he survives. Um, so, yeah, that's a Cuban. Uh, he is very nervous, but so he's a fisherman, right? So he was built as a fisherman. Um he had a artificer bring him and build him a, uh, like a, kind of like a, a gun net, net gun. Uh, so it is like a launcher that you could throw a net. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. He loves it. Uh, basically because he was getting pissed off that he could only pick up one or two fish at a time whenever he swooped in. So he could fire gun net after like a person, like, riffled the water and the fish would jump. So he would just fire the, the net gun at the water. He would get a couple of fish. The times were tough. I mean, his city was burnt down. Most of his friends were dead. It was the end of the world for all he knew and basically what he was considered. So yeah, uh, that's a Cuban. Uh, I'm going to end the non Patreon stuff here. So I appreciate you guys. Um, 
sticking with me as long as he did. I think this is going to be somewhere close to the realm of like 35 minutes. So I apologize for just yammering. Um, if you like this, uh, we can do more. I can do some more like fireside pseudo chat kind of things. Uh, I can go through more. If you want, uh, let us know, uh, shoot us a message on Twitter, our Instagrams. It's slaythestars.com or any of our socials are at slaythestars. Uh, you'll be able to find any of us. If you're looking for me, uh, I'm at Arthur Polino on Twitter. I am a voice actor. Uh, I dabble a little in audio engineering, um, so yeah, if you're looking for me, you can find me on the internet, uh, on Twitter at Arthur Polino. Uh, I think I said that already. I'm just losing my brains. I'm losing my brains. All right. So I'm going to sign off here. Um, just a general reminder. Uh, if you guys like what we're doing, let us know, uh, sign up for our Patreon, uh, or just keep listening in. We really appreciate it. Oh, a Cuban. Uh, his, because he's a monk, he had an armor class of 20 by the end of that campaign uh, arc. So I'm going to cut it right here. Oh, shit. That didn't turn it off. Oh, no. <laughs>